Welcome to Pouring Game, an engaging podcast hosted by Frank Swisher that delves into the intersections of life, money, and our community. Join Frank as he explores personal finance, career development, relationships, and mental well-being through insightful interviews and expert advice. This podcast offers actionable strategies and inspirational stories to empower listeners, foster unity, and inspiring positive change. Get ready for a valuable blend of wisdom, practical tips, and motivational stories that will enhance your life and make a lasting impact. In today's episode, we'll cover a trio's investigation into a government conspiracy, the influence of movies on lifestyle choices, and the confusion surrounding the recreation of Tyrone through media and the prison's rules on books. And now I turn you over to our host, Frank Swisher. My name is Frank Swisher, and welcome to Pouring Game. Thank you for allowing us this time in your life. So picture this, a pulpy sci-fi mystery caper that grabs your attention right from the start. We're talking about an unlikely trio here. You've got Fontaine, your neighborhood drug dealer, who unfortunately meets a tragic end at the hands of rival Isaac. But here's the kicker. Fontaine wakes up the next morning completely unharmed. Yeah, I know, shocking, right? So with this newfound lease on life, Fontaine teams up with Slick Charles and Yo-Yo to get to the bottom of this eerie incident. And boy, does their search take them on a wild ride. They stumble upon a massive underground complex hidden away from prying eyes. And what do they find there? A government-backed lab conducting top-secret experiments on the local black population. Can you believe it? Fontaine realizes that he's not who he thought he was. He's actually an artificial clone, controlled by none other than Richard Nixon himself. Talk about a plot twist. Initially, Fontaine feels despondent, but he quickly realizes that he's got a mission. He's got to take a stand against these oppressive white overlords and fight for the sake of his neighborhood. And that, my friends, is the thrilling setup for an unforgettable adventure. With secrets, conspiracy, and a trio of misfits determined to break free from their manufactured lives, this caper will keep you on the edge of your seat from start to finish. Let's look at this movie and how it correlates to real life. Please feel free to reach out to Frank Swisher on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, or sending an email to imfrankswisher at icloud.com. We are open to hearing from you if you would like to be heard on an episode. So here's the thing. Sometimes truth can be even crazier than fiction. Like, seriously, have you ever watched a movie or a TV show and thought, wow, this feels so real? I see people living this kind of life every day. It's mind-boggling, right? I mean, it's not uncommon to come across people who seem like exact replicas of characters in movies. They could be living in different parts of the country, but their way of life and behavior mirrors what we see on the big screen. It's like the movie industry has inadvertently created a whole tribe of imitators. Let's take a blast from the past, for example. Colors. When that movie hit the screen, something interesting happened. Blood and Crip sets started popping up all over America. It was as if the movie had sparked a real-life phenomenon. People were riding on the wave of what they saw on screen and adopting that lifestyle in their own neighborhoods. It's fascinating how movies can have such a powerful influence, right? And let's not forget about The Mac and Superfly. These films showed us a different side of life where men were becoming players and pimps, and drugs became an accepted pastime as long as you had money. Now one could argue that these movies were simply reflecting a certain reality that already existed. But here's the question. Was it really just a coincidence? Or was there some kind of programming going on? I know, I know. We're not talking about conspiracy theories here. 
But it does make you wonder, doesn't it? How much of what we see in movies and TV shows is actually influencing our behaviors and shaping our society? Are these portrayals incidental or is there some deeper agenda at play? Now, I'm not saying that every movie or TV show is trying to brainwash us or make us act a certain way. That would be pretty far-fetched. But it's worth considering the impact media has on our lives and how it can shape our perception of what is acceptable or even cool. So next time you watch a movie or a TV show, take a moment to reflect on its influence. Is it simply entertainment? Or is it subtly nudging you towards certain behaviors and attitudes? It's definitely a conversation worth having. After all, truth can sometimes be stranger than fiction, and that's a concept worth exploring. Thank you for listening to Pouring Game. Please follow Frank Swisher on all social media under the username I am Frank Swisher. We ask that you send us your thoughts and questions on this topic. We are looking for guests to interview. We want your view to be heard. Please email Frank Swisher at IamFrankSwisher at iCloud.com and please share this podcast with your friends, coworkers, family, and followers. We now return to Frank Swisher. See, this is where life and art intersect. They don't actually clone people like Tyrone, but they somehow manage to replicate him using movies, songs, and books. It's a bit mind-boggling, isn't it? But here's something even stranger. Why is it that Donald Goins' books are allowed in prison libraries while the likes of 48 Laws of Power are banned? For those of you who might not be familiar, Donald Goins was an author who wrote about crimes, adding that extra touch of dramatic flair. His books were like a twisty roller coaster ride through the criminal underworld. Now, here's the thing I've personally witnessed people fresh out of prison running the same cons and hustles that I've read about in one of Goins' paperbacks. It's almost as if the prison officials themselves are well versed in those tales, knowing them like the back of their books. And that makes you wonder, right? Why do people keep ending up in jail for the same crimes, always losing? Now, I'm not saying that these books are solely to blame for the never-ending cycle of criminal behavior, but they definitely contribute to it. When inmates have unrestricted access to books that glorify and romanticize crime, it's not surprising that some may be influenced to follow similar paths. After all, we are creatures of influence, and the stories we immerse ourselves in can shape our perspectives and actions. But coming back to the original question, why is it that Donald Goins' books are allowed, while books like 48 Laws of Power are banned? I suppose it's a matter of perception and cultural context. Goins' books, while fictional, depict criminal activities and the consequences that follow. They might be seen as cautionary tales or a way to provide some form of escapism for inmates who can relate to those stories. On the other hand, 48 Laws of Power is a non-fiction book that explores strategies to gain and maintain power in various aspects of life, including potentially illegal ones. It's understandable why authorities may view it as a guidebook for manipulation and unethical behavior. However, it's essential to acknowledge that banning certain books is a tricky territory. It raises questions about freedom of expression and the power to control access to information. While it's crucial to ensure that prison libraries offer a diverse range of literature that can educate and inspire inmates, perhaps there should be some cautionary measures in place. Maybe a balanced selection of books, including those that explore the consequences and realities of criminal behavior, can help inmates broaden their perspectives and make more informed choices. Ultimately, the issue at hand is multifaceted, and there are no easy answers. 
But by questioning these discrepancies and opening up discussions, we can bring attention to the influence of literature in prisons and work towards creating an environment that encourages rehabilitation and personal growth. Let's look at what's happening in mainstream society with bigger numbers and populace. We see books and ideas are being canceled and banned. We see these same people banning books that may tell stories they want to hide, yet they do not ban the books that perpetuate crime, violence, and behavior that undermine societal norms and values. Music is another avenue that is programming our youth to norms and attitudes. I remember Lil' Kim talked about taking it in the butt in the early 90s, and now that convo is as normal as going out to dinner with friends. Or Kevin Gates talking about eating booty to Jani Ahaku's famous line about he gotta eat the booty like groceries a record that was a mainstay on national radio and within a couple years eating booty became more common than oral sex. Do you see the correlation? We can be programmed through predictive programming and we can adopt ideas and thoughts that become normalized to the point it become a part of the lexicon of life. So, as we ponder about Tyrone's elusive clones and the books that shape the minds of people, let's also reflect on the power of storytelling and how it can both inspire and perpetuate patterns of behavior. Let's strive to ensure that the stories we tell and consume contribute to building a society where everyone has the opportunity to rewrite their narratives and break free from the cycle of criminality, whether they're inside or outside the prison walls. It is time we analyze what we and those we love consume. There may be more to the entertainment than just entertaining. In this episode, we discuss the Netflix hit move they cloned Tyrone and how media is used to program societal norms and ideas. Thank you for joining us today on Pouring Game, where we empower listeners through wisdom, practical tips, and motivational stories to enhance your life and make a lasting impact. Don't forget to subscribe and join us for our next episode.